0: Baseball season is around the corner, and we will be giving out our favorite futures picks on the Just Baseball show in the lead up to opening day. To go along with that, BetMGM has a brand new offer for our listeners. Use code JUSTBASEBALL and place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5, and you will receive $150 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. How to get this offer? Step one, download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Step two, sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Step three, place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Step four, once you have placed a bet, you will receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Call 877 8 hope ny or text ny to 467-369 in New York and call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 21 plus only, please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that it expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario or Puerto Rico. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL and get $150 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager.
1: Bonds, it's a game. Yeah!
0: Wednesday, February 28th, the last day of February, the shortest month of the year. We No, nah, man. Hold on, man. Leap what? year.
1: Come on. Leap is it a year. Leap year? Yes, it's a leap, it's year, a leap
0: year. year. Oh, who cares? We have the top 10 center fielders to discuss. We have to talk about the Dodgers making a couple of moves, sort of. Kike Hernandez is now a Los Angeles Dodgers. He's back by his source he was the source on his own tweet he's back yeah. with the Los Angeles Dodgers and Manny Margot started with the Rays went to the Dodgers and now a Minnesota twin Jack I'm happy to see you I thought that we were going to see you later in the week but the guy has to record he's a
1: workaholic Jack our Norwegian correspondent how is Norway 10:03 3 p.m north of the Arctic Circle Trying to cross the Northern Lights off the bucket list—it's exciting. I was told I'm not supposed to shave on vacation. Is that a thing? I do think you have a little bit of
0: George Clooney to you. I like the I like the five o'clock shadow that you're rocking. It makes Kentucky it look a little bit more distinguished. I think people are going
1: to believe your takes more. In this so, here's the thing: my takes are all going to be obsolete if Casey Mize doesn't shove this year. And I want to start with that. Obviously, we've got some Dodger stuff before the top ten center fielders in baseball. Um, I'll let you plug the MGM stuff if you want off the top before I get into this Casey Mize thing because I'm as a as a mind as a baseball thinker, I'm totally screwed if Casey Mize isn't good.
0: Jack's 10 p.m. Norwegian take on Casey Mize is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sports books. Remember, folks. You load in 5 bucks. you bet $5 on standard odds, and you get $150 in bonus bets. How? Use Code Just Baseball. Use Code Just Baseball on BetMGM. You deposit, you put $5 on standard odds, you get $150 in bonus bets by using Code Baseball. Have I said it enough? Do it. You're going to want to get that free money because BetMGM does not give out free money often. But of course, gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older and terms and conditions apply. The floor is yours. Casey
1: Mize hitting 97 today. Two ticks up on everything since the last time we saw him, which, by the way, was two years ago. Like, a guy can get stronger over the course of two years. Problem is, we saw it on February 27th. We didn't see it uh, on May 15th, and that's what I'm terrified about. But if the Tigers get 80% of the guy that went 1-1, out of Auburn and looked like the best college pitcher that we've seen in recent memory. And obviously, our our thoughts are skewed now that we've got, you know, Burns this year and Skeens last year and and whoever, right? Like, Mize was so ridiculously good in college and in the minor leagues. And he gets to the big leagues. And frankly, like, yeah, he had a 3 7 one year and like 150 innings and he commanded all of his pitches, but he was not beating guys. Like, he was getting a lot of contact to seven guys behind him which didn't feel great but if Casey Mize can top at 97 and if he can hit 95 and that splitter has that devilish life back I think that splitter can be one of the best pitches in baseball and it was before he went down man like I'm starting to get buzzed on the Casey Mize juice again see
0: Casey Mize is an interesting player in the lore of the just baseball show so, ever since we started when we were Project the Plate, Jack has been so pro-Casey Mize. Aram has been very anti-Casey Mize. And I think, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I believe he would repeat the same. I've been kind of in the middle. I've just been enjoying and going along for the ride. But I did watch him today. Because what I know Casey Mize is yeah. on the mound, every single time he's going to yes. be on the mound, I have to watch. I have to.
1: good i'm willing to be on your team and again like it's february it's february (laughs) we can't do this but like but that's an open that's an open competition for that number five job in detroit right now and i think that guy's got a chance to win it in the next month which is crazy
0: here's the problem with spring training is when guys perform well early and it fits my narrative or your narrative run with it not to spin it But if something doesn't fit our narrative, oh, it's just spring spring training. training. Who cares? I mean, it doesn't matter. But when something is interesting that doesn't fit either bad or good narrative, I do find myself kind of overreacting. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be in the media. I'm supposed to be a capital J journalist. But it's still so much fun to watch spring training. So I implore everybody
1: to watch some spring training. It'll at least get you super excited. So the last thing I'll say on the Detroit Tigers starting rotation deal is – as of right now, you've got three that are sharpied in, right? Tarek Skubal is the one. Jack Flaherty looked good at his first outing. And then he got Kenta Maeda. But after that, it's Matt Manning, Reese Olson, Casey Mize, Wilmer Flores, prospect, by the way, who hit 99 miles an hour in his first spring training outing, and then Sawyer, Gibson, Long, that are competing for the final two spots. My gut says Mize and Olsen and Manning is the odd man out. I don't know, though. It's interesting. Um, Speaking to fitting narratives in spring training, is Tamar Johnson a young David Ortiz? (laughs) like, oh, my God. Two crazy nukes against Jimmy Garcia and Genesis Cabrera. Aram had a great tweet, and that's up on the Just Baseball Show Instagram. That's up on the Call Up Instagram as well. And it's the two homers, the swing side by side. And he goes and gets a left-on-left slider from Hennessy's Cabrera and bludgeons that thing. And then he meets an upstairs fastball from Jimmy Garcia. I think it was in reverse order. He went Jimmy and then Hennessy's Cabrera. But, man, like he got to an elevated fastball. And then it was that left-on-left low slider. He looks comfortable for 19 years old. That's my last spring training overreaction. It's like Tamar Johnson fit the bill
0: fully. Couldn't agree with you more. And for folks listening who may not know who Tamar Johnson is, 19-year-old prospect with the Pittsburgh Pirates, was drafted, I believe, number four overall. And he was in the running to be the number one overall pick. But I think the reason he might have fallen is because he's not going to play shortstop, right? You're drafting a second baseman. But he was drafted that high because of the bat. And the bat... You're saying looks like David Ortiz. And, and <laughs> I'm folks kidding. even with the Pirates might right. say, Jack, he's five eight. What are you talking about with David <laughs> Ortiz? The reason I think you're making those comparisons now are while David Ortiz is a mega of a man, right? He's 6'2", 200 million pounds, all muscle. Shout out yeah, to Big Poppy. Yeah, yeah. And Tamar Johnson's what, one eighty soaking wet? The swings do look pretty close. When you mentioned that in the group chat, I thought to myself, I don't hate the comparison,
1: even though they look completely different. So let me just say that I'm kidding when I say that he's David Ortiz, but that first move with his hands, how they kind of hitch yeah. down, but yeah. it's not a hitch. Like that's David Ortiz right there. And Aram has made this point whenever we've talked Pirates, whenever we've talked Tamar Johnson. He was drafted as a guy that was viewed as one of the best pure hitters out of high school that we've seen in the last decade. That's not him anymore. He's striking out a good bit, but he's walking a lot, and he's hitting the crap out of the ball. And I don't think anybody expected this power. No evaluator expected this power, so Aram hit the nail on the head. This guy, during the draft process, was viewed as a hit-over power guy to the nth degree, and now... He's a power-over-hit guy, but the hit seems to be good enough already to the point where this guy should be a consensus top 100 prospect in baseball. And as he starts the year, I assume in Greensboro, which is high A in Pittsburgh and makes his way to Altoona, I mean, this guy can skyrocket his way into the top 50, top 40 if he's hitting like this. So funny, I looked at uh, arms top Pirates.
0: Prospect list, right? Yeah. That's live on just baseball.com. And I was like, Tamar Johnson's number two. Who's number one? And then I'm like, well, it's Paul Skeen's it's mm-hmm. pretty damn good. But over the prospect landscape, Jackson Holiday has now, you know, jumped up and, or no, he's not. Jackson Holiday is still a prospect. I was yeah. more thinking about Gunner, but I'm just thinking about organizations, the top two prospects. Is there an organization that has a better top two
1: than Tamar and Paul Skeen's? Yeah. I mean, Holiday and like I would say, Holiday and uh, Mayo or Holiday and Basayo is is better. You'd
0: rather have those two than uh, Skeens and Tamar.
1: Yes, fine. One hundred percent. There are a couple other assortments. I think. I I think the duo of Chorio and Mizorowski is interesting too. Um, I don't know. There are there are a couple of ways that you can slice it. I there are definitely teams that I'm forgetting right now that have a tandem that are crazy. But Skeens and Tamar could be viewed as as one of the better one-two punches in an organization that we've got. We also have another
0: spring training note that I wanted to bring up. Alec Manoa took to the mound. He allowed two earned in one inning. Uh, the velocity was a little bit up, but I'm looking at a pitch plot uh, that yes. underdog underscore MLB posted on X. I'm counting 19 pitches, and I'm also counting six strikes. Now, the velocity was up a little bit, but he sprayed, but he sprayed. You'd want a guy like that. If you're a Blue Jays fan, like you need him to be at least in the zone, right? When we talked to Walker on Monday's episode, a big thing that he preached early on for fans to take away from spring training are, are they filling up the zone? And what does this stuff look like? Now, Blue Jays fans can be a little bit excited, right? It's not like he has a drop in velocity, right? Which he had a ah, ton. Yeah. Yeah. In 2023. But now, the velocity is kind of there, but the command isn't. Yeah. I don't know what the takeaway is for him now. The I, take we just got to keep waiting.
1: We're just wa- we're just watching and we're waiting. The takeaway is when are we going to make the decision that Tiedemann's just a better option? Like, ship is sailing. Ship left port on Alec Manoa. I want to make that abundantly clear. I'm Am I allowed to say that I'm concretely out on Alec Manoa at this point? I mean, you could say that, but I also don't want to give up on a guy... Who was an AL Cy Young Award top five? See, finisher I'm in willing. Twenty two. I'm willing because assuming his arm was entirely healthy, I don't understand how you can go from an AL Cy Young finalist to that.
0: And the reason I don't understand is why I can't count him out yet. I just can't do it. That's why right? I
1: can. That's why because That's why it was so drastic. I'm like it. It. It was so drastic. It doesn't make sense. And if I can't compute it. I can't put my chips in your bucket or in your basket. I'm not
0: putting putting my chips in his bucket, but I'm also not taking them out. If that makes sense. I'm just leaving the chips on the table and not betting. The chips
1: go in buckets. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. The Dodgers put a lot of chips in Shohei Otani's bucket. I do know that. Ten years, $700 million, and Garrett Crochet is making him look like an idiot. Your thoughts on that first plate appearance as an L.A. Dodger? I do wasn't even watching Shohei Otani, to be
0: honest with you. Why Garrett Crochet looks so good? He, uh, looked- he got hit around in the second inning. Let's make that clear. I did watch just the first <laughs> inning and then I turned it off. Um, damn you looking at that first inning No, but I mean, Shohei striking out, right? He gets introduced as the Dodgers, the highest paid player in professional sports history, and he strikes out his first spring trading AB. That's spring trading for you. Yes. Garrett Crochet, right? Against Shohei
1: Otani? Garrett Crochet, one, Shohei Otani, zero. So I will also say Crochet's trying to be a starter for the White Sox. and Looks good. If he can do that first inning over five, and if he can be a five-and-dive guy with that, we're talking about the White Sox rotation being upgraded from horrible to really bad. And that okay. would be awesome.
0: Like the money ball be 50 feet of shit. And then there's us. You're in the 50 feet of shit. You're like at the 40
1: foot mark instead of the 50 foot mark. I mean, that's better. It's all about improving. You're over here. It's all about improving. Um, Do you think the Dodgers improved real quick? They shed Manny Margot so they could sign Kike Hernandez. That's a vibes improvement. And I'm all about the power of friendship thing. All about it. And there's like the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies. And the 2024 L.A. Dodgers, I'm just leaning into like this vibe thing where it's like, oh, yeah, they have a bunch of guys that fit the vibe. And they've got Otani, but like Otani and his friend Yoshinobu Yamamoto are here together. And then you've got Joe Kelly back in the fold and you've got Kike Hernandez back in the fold. I'm leaning into the vibe. I get it. From a baseball between the lines perspective, did they get better? I don't think they got worse. I don't think they
0: got better. And just the full trade details. So Kike Hernandez and the Dodgers signed a one-year deal, right? And the deal would come on the heels of the Manuel Margot trade to Minnesota. So the Minnesota Twins sent uh, shortstop prospect Noah Miller or yeah. outfield prospect Noah Miller. No,
1: shortstop Owen Miller's younger brother.
0: I mean, he was a competitive balance pick at one point. Um, The Dodgers get relief from the $12 million owed to Manuel Margot. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, But the Twins do need some outfield depth. And we're going to talk about our top 10 center fielders, right? And Byron Buxton didn't make it. Spoiler alert, but you're going to hear that in a second. I think bringing in Manuel Margot is kind of saying to the Twins saying to themselves. All right we know what Byron Buxton is at this point. We cannot keep relying on him to be healthy. So bringing in a guy like that, I think is good outfield depth for the twins and the Dodgers are obviously taking a flyer and I think they're fine taking a flyer so they can get Kike Hernandez back in that locker room. And I wish we could have spoken with Walker about Kike Hernandez because he just seems to be a perfect Dodger. We see the dancing. We see how much the locker room just gravitates towards a personality like that. I think he was brought in. You say vibes like kind of jokingly, but also it it is important, (laughs) right? Because there's a lot of new pieces on this roster and we know baseball, right? The best roster doesn't always win. The Dodgers have had the best roster for a while. The Braves have had the best roster for a while. They're still looking for chips, right? Or I mean, the Dodgers did get that 2020 chip. Yeah. But they're still looking for chips there while the teams who have been playing together for a while, the Astros, right? The Phillies keep doing it year in and year out as well. Right. So and the Diamondbacks were a shocker in the Rangers, you know, but that's baseball, right? It's better for a team to have those vibes and Kike Hernandez improves those. So I think that's genuinely
1: why he was brought in. You sparked a thought when you said Braves and I'm sorry, one more spring training takeaway two scoreless four punch outs for Chris Sale. He might be back and even like let's move the goalposts on what Chris Sale being back looks like. If Chris Sale being back looks like the best version of Max Scherzer that we got in New York, I mean, the Braves are cooking with gas. And who's to say that he can't be that? You know what I mean? Like Scherzer in New York was never the 2-5 striking out the world guy. He was the 36, 37-year-old that was making his way through lineups, and it's like, there's vintage Scherzer. And he was racking up some punch outs, but it wasn't like ever dominating like he was – in Detroit or in Washington, if Sale can give us a weathered version of what we thought he could look like the last couple of years in Boston, man, like the Braves are the best team in baseball, if that's the case.
0: Just good to see Chris Sale finding some velo again, right? He maxed out, he hit 97 today on the mound, right? Last year he was averaging about 93.9 Today he was
1: averaging 95. And and frankly, that sale doesn't survive because he's always been a two-pitch pitcher. He's had a third, and we just talked about him on the call-up, like loosely comparing him to Ricky Tiedemann. At the peak of his powers, he had this like changeup that was good. But for the most part, it was just fastball in the high 90s and then that crazy, sweeping, slurvy slider. He's never been that three-pitch guy, so the fastball becomes all the more important. And at 93, Chris Sale can't survive, especially when he sprays. But at 97, he can survive.
0: He also threw a 95 mile an hour sinker today. Maybe that's something he's cooking.
1: Sure. Why not?
0: Sure. I think it's time, Jack. But before we get into the top 10 center fielder's list,
1: you got a note from our friends at eBay. Yes, I do. So here's the deal. This weekend, Arm is headed to Phoenix for an eBay live event called the quote spring signings with eBay and Onyx. We'll have epic interviews coming out of the event. Some of the fastest rising stars in the game going to be there. Jackson Chorio, Matt Shaw, Dalton Rushing, Drew Thorpe, plenty more top prospects. And Arm is going to be the lucky SOP that stands there and chats with these guys. If you can't make it to Arizona, you can join in virtually on eBay Live. This coming Saturday and Sunday starts at 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time. So, plus two hours, 6.30 p.m. Eastern for unique stories, for unique deals, and can't miss exclusives like these one of one limited edition cards created specifically for this signing event. Lucky buyers of the one-on-one cards will get a custom inscription from the player of the one-on-one that you buy. That makes it a truly one-of-a-kind collectible. portion of all proceeds will be donated to the Organization of Autism Research, which provides research to better the quality of life for people with autism. Obviously, a great cause. To us, there's nothing better than coupling a fun-filled event with a great cause. We're very excited to be involved in spring signings with eBay Live and Onyx. So mark your calendars for 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 Mountain Time, this weekend, you're not going to want to miss out on this one of a kind event with access to future MLB stars and some exclusive cards. Sorry, folks. I know
0: I said top 10 center fielders after Jack talks about eBay. But before we get to the top 10 center, fielders, what'd you forget? Another quick break. The top 10 center fielders in Major League Baseball for 2024. We have our two honorable mentions. We have the top 10. And as always, you can follow along on the article, which you can find in the episode description. If you are watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We got more top 10s coming. We also have an interview with a certain pitcher that will be on the top 10 pitchers list that's coming out on Friday. So make sure you like this video, subscribe, and set alerts on for future videos. But everybody listening, you can find the article to follow along in the description Our two honorable mentions. Number one, TJ Friedel of the Cincinnati Reds. Jack, I feel bad because I know a lot of Reds fans <laughs> and they have been screaming for DJ Friedel to make our top Ted list. Shout out Clay Snowden. Shout out Reds nation. Unfortunately, He is on the outside looking in, but he did hit 279, 352, 467 slash, 18 bombs, 27 stolen bases, WRC plus at 116, seventh best among primary center fielders, and his 4.4 F war was tied with James Outman for the third best mark in Major League Baseball, trailing only Julio Rodriguez and Luis Robert but
1: there's some quality of contact concerns. Frankly, don't care. Center field is the one place that the Reds didn't have a top prospect in the last few years debut. They have answers at, I mean, first base even, right? When you factor in Christian Encarnacion Strand, they've got an answer at second base in Matt McLean. They got an answer at short in Ellie. They got an answer at third in Noel V. Marte. They've got an answer on the Hill, right? I mean, you've seen... Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Abbott all graduate. You got Chase Petty not far behind. You got Connor Phillips close to graduating. It's ridiculous. Rhett Lauder just looked strong in his first spring training outing. And then like Spencer Steer hops in left. Okay, great. Will Benson, who you acquire from the Guardians, looks great in right. The two places that they didn't have an answer are catcher and center field. You needed one of those two to step up. Thank God, because Tyler Stevenson wasn't good. TJ Friedel was awesome. Are there worries about how he can replicate? Yeah, for sure. Like, does he put up another four-and-a-half-win season? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think any of TJ e. Friedel's family will tell you that, like, for sure, this guy's a four-and-a-half-win player in 2024. But what we can say is this guy's going to give you top-flight defense. He is going to hit enough, and he's going to be a great piece at the top of the order if the young guys are struggling or he's going to be the best seven hitter in baseball, eight hitter in baseball. And like, we're not asking questions about TJ Friedel. There's nobody really coming down the pipe. If Arroyo looks ready, if a Cam Collier looks ready in a couple of years, maybe you experiment with McLean in center. But as of right now, the Reds found their plug and play guy in center.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a good way to put it, right? Just because he doesn't make the top 10 center fielder's list doesn't mean he's not a good center fielder. Right. I think my area for concern, right, if we're going to bring down Cody Bellinger, we should also probably talk about CJ Friedel, right? We talk about the difference between ex Woba and Woba. And he had a 353 Woba, which was clearly a career high. But he had a 289 X Woba. That was towards the right. We can even look at what percentile that puts him in on baseball Savant. That puts him in the 11th percentile, right, which grades your quality of contact. So I think with TJ Friedel, what Reds fans should expect, like I wouldn't expect the 18 home runs, right? But I can still expect good defense. I can still expect great base running, right? Let's say TJ Friedel is a guy, right, 279 last year. Let's say he's hitting 260, 265 with 30 stolen bases, 10 home runs, and good defense. He won't be the 4.4 F war guy, but he could be a three-win player. And that's still a solid center fielder, right? That would be my projection for TJ Friedel in 2024. And I think that projection aligns with yours. If I gave you TJ Friedel over under 3.0 F war for 2024, where would you go?
1: Slightly over slightly. Okay. Slightly ever. So slightly. I think that's a good number. Um, I do want to dive into the Buxton thing now because I'm glad we didn't spend too much time on it when you did mention that Buxton, like Margot could be a safety blanket for Buxton. The plan right now, based on everything that I've read, and Minnesota's got a collection of excellent beat writers. Do Young Park is one of my favorite beat writers that we've got in baseball. Um, the plan is for Buxton to play center. And <laughs> Javier Reyes sent a good message. He was like, Yep, here we go. If Buxton plays center, like we're back to convincing ourselves that he's a 10 win player for sure. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be guilty of that. I promise. Problem is, like, I think he's out of mulligans. I think he's out of lives. I'm playing connections with Byron Buxton. And like, I just blew my third life. And I just have to view him as a guy that is going to play max 110 games. And that sucks. It sucks because.
0: I mean, who has been driving the Byron Buxton bus on this podcast? It feels like it's been my dumbass all year, every year. Byron Buxton, this talent, you just got to see it. Imagine if he would play 130 games, right? We're not asking for much, but here's the reality. 2018, he played 28 games. 2019, he played 87. 2020, shortened season, played 39. 2021, he played 61. 2022, he played 92. And 2023, he played 85. The only reason he is on the honorable mentions is because he has the talent of a top-five center fielder. He has the talent of a top-three center fielder, to be perfectly honest with you. The power, the speed, the defense hard to find in Major League Baseball that you have with Byron Buxton. But if I'm relying on you to play half the season, you're not going to sniff top 10 lists. I feel like we only put him on the honorable mentions just to have the conversation about him again. It's
1: principle. Yeah, I think we put him on because of principle, but we left him off because of principle. The whole conversation around him is principle, and that sucks. In
0: 2021, I know it's only 61 games. 39 homers. He had, no well, he hit 19 home runs in 61 games while putting up a thousand OPS then in 2022 he hit 28 bobs in 92 games that's even right. last year that's he hit right. 17 home runs in 85 games while stealing close to 10 bags like if we could just project this over 162 we have a top five center fielder the problem is we haven't been able to project it over 162 since 2016.
1: So 2017. that's my favorite thing. You take a guy in garbage time, like Jaden Hardy was this guy for the Dallas Mavericks where he was killing garbage time. I think it was last year and like, oh, you, you take his numbers and you blow them up for 36 minutes. He's the best player in basketball. It's like, okay, we can't do that because like you should need to play. Um, but it's fun.
0: It's fun to dream. And that's why the Twins bring in Manny Margot, right? Because you look at the rest of the outfield, right? You got Kirloff who could probably play some first base. He could probably play some outfield. You got Matt Walner. You got a couple other guys in the fold there in the outfield. But to bring in a guy like Manny Margot is important because you can only assume you're going to get half a season for Byron Buxton. Every game over that is just adding sprinkles to the Sunday. That's really all it is because that's all we can hope for, right? So that's why it's we mentioned the move not just because we're a baseball show, but it is significant for the twins because they're obviously operating under the assumption that we still cannot trust Byron Buxton to play a full 162. Can we even trust Byron Buxton to play 100 games? And we're saying all these things. Like, you'll never see a podcast root for a guy more than us at Byron Buxton. All we want to do is see you play. You're a freak talent. We just got to see you play if you want to enter the top 10. Correct. Think it's time to get in the top 10? I think so. And number 10, Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins. Clean sweep here from the Just Baseball folks. Every single one of our panelists had Jazz Chisholm at number 10. I don't know if we've seen a clean sweep so far in our rankings. And just another reminder, if you're following the article, you already know the gist. But for those watching or listening or you're not much of a reader, we have six panelists, Jack, myself, Aram, Ryan Finkelstein, our managing editor, Leo Morgenstern, another editor and writer for just baseball.com and Colby Olson, right? Hey, and we we're,
1: aggregate. We're kicking well, Colby off next year. Like it, wait till we to. get to Riley green. We're kicking him off. We might have to kick him off because he ruined some of our rankings, but
0: jazz Chisholm, We know who he is. I mean, I'm going to read through stats and I want you to pitch him. I know we're, I'm doing evens. You're doing odds, but I don't really like, him. um, Slash 250, 304, 457, 19 home runs, 51 driven in, 22 stolen bases, a 103 WRC plus, 3% above the league average hitter, and put up a 1.9 F war. Was not good in the defensive run save department, but was in the outs above average, totaling four.
1: What do you think about it, Chaz? First year playing center field, he was legitimately good. I think that's huge. Okay. Let's play play the Buxton game. Good at what? Uh, I mean, he put up decent metrics in well, outs above average, I guess. Um Yeah, he has range. He's fast. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I think Jazz got better. Um, he's not Fernando Tatis. I. The problem is when we take a supreme athlete and we put him in the outfield, we just immediately measure him next to Fernando Tatis Jr. and that shit doesn't work because he's different. He's one of one. Jazz is a guy that was a really good outfielder that was. Not great at short, could have been fine at short, was an okay second baseman, but you let those wheels, you let that athleticism play in center field. Like we saw that athleticism, and there really weren't many bonehead plays there at all. Um, the other thing that I kind of want to pitch you on so, like, final, final synopsis of the center field experiment with Jazz Chisholm is year one went well. Year two may go really well offensively. Let's play the Buxton game. Per 162, Jazz is giving us 28 homers and 32 backs. He's a 30-30 threat that's going get, to get better at defense every year. The question is availability, and frankly, he's better than Buxton because he doesn't have as many knocks on his resume as Byron Buxton does.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fine. And I ranked him 10 too, so it's not like I'm arguing for him to be off the top 10 list. I understand the talent coming from the power and the speeds department, right? You laid it out. If he plays a full season, we're looking at potentially a 30-30 threat. And I know Jazz himself would tell you he's a 40-40 threat every season. Jazz would tell you he's a 70-70 threat. And that's where my problems come in with Jazz because his bravado, and I respect an athlete that has a ton of confidence. I think that if you are you know, the center fielder of the Marlins, if you're the shortstop or whoever, you have to walk onto the field and think to yourself, I'm the best player on this field to get the most out of your abilities, right? You need almost that arrogance about you. And that's fine, right? If you hold it inside or even if it comes out a little bit, and it's definitely fine when you deserve it. Jazz hasn't earned anything, right? He gets put on the cover cover of MLB The Show and then turns up this type of season. And he's never really turned a season that makes me think to myself oh yeah this guy he he i'm fine with him talking the way he does off the field but then it's even on the field right it's a laxadaisical approach it it just pisses me off to watch him play i mean that's just where i'm coming from here it's just the way he acts doesn't match up with the production and on a team like the marlins too like you're drawing attention to yourself when your team's not winning. It just feels like one of those basketball players to use, you know, your point that you were talking about in other sports, like one of those guys averaging 22 on the worst team in the NBA and then acting as if he's the best when he plays 60% of the season on top of it. It's just like, yeah, it, it doesn't sit right with me. But again, I recognize the talent and if he plays a full 162,
1: he could be higher than 10. I totally hear you. I think he still has opportunities for me to walk the walk because he's clearly talking the talk. It's all about walking the walk now. And I think what what gets under your skin about him is this guy has not walked the walk yet. He hasn't even started the walk. So, like, if he does, that's great. Also, remember when we kind of shit on Otani for getting rung up by Garrett Crochet? Did he, hit Homer? He, he just went Oppo against Dominic <laughs> Leone. Yeah, two run shot in his third AB. Welcome to so, the Dodgers. So
0: you're hearing this on Wednesday, February 28th, but on Tuesday, February 27th, that was the last chirp we could get in on him on the season.
1: Last I one. Last that one. Was it.
0: You had your chance, haters. <laughs> Fucking you Babe chance. Ruth
1: is immortal again. Who knew? <laughs> you have the odds. So number nine is for you. I have number nine. And number nine is Riley Green of the Detroit Tigers. And who knows if Green is going to play center field full time this year? I know that Parker Meadows could be a candidate to play center. They may also experiment with Kerry Carpenter in a corner again if Meadows doesn't seem, you know, big league every day ready. I'm not sure. Green, we we ranked as a center fielder, and this guy he was not a great defensive center fielder. Negative seven defensive runs saved. He was zero outs above average. He was league average. This guy's value is offensive, and he hit. Just under 290 in 416 plate appearances. Yeah, he only had 11 homers, but he sprayed doubles. He had a 119 WRC+. And it feels like the two-and-a-half win season he put up in Detroit last year is like the low point for a young, really exciting Riley Green. He's 23 years old this year, and he's going to be entering his third year of big league action. We've been high on Riley Green for the last however many years, um, I know that you were one of the high guys on green. You had him eight. I had him 11. Arm had a 14 as the low guy. Colby had him six. We got to boot him. What the hell? No, no I want
0: to honestly promote Colby after putting him six. No, I think man. I was the low guy in the sense of what he could do. He put up a 365X Woba last year. Do you know who that tied with? Your no. favorite player, Austin Riley. He's 23 years old, he could play a solid center field. The quality of contact is fantastic, but it's also the swing, right? Why did you like him at the first place? Because the sw- the barrel stays in the zone for it's about so an hour, good. right? Yeah. He can go oppo. He can go pull side. He can hit shots to center field. He's 23 years old. And yeah, last year, right? He didn't shock the world. But if this is kind of the low end, Riley Green is a 22 year old who it's close to 300. You're thrilled. One night. With a 119 WRC plus, putting up 2.3 F4 while not even playing the entire season, yeah, I'm gonna start to buy in. Especially when we know his prospect pedigree coming up was this guy who can spray the ball to all fields, and then he's showing quality of contact rivaling Riley or rivaling Austin Riley. Austin Riley. I'm getting confused because Riley great Austin Riley, and now he's 23. What are we talking about here? Yeah, he's Austin Riley. I, I think my he's favorite gonna.
1: Player? I think I you love Austin Riley, do you not. I love him. Like, I, he, he probably is. I just can't stomach transitioning from Tim Anderson to Austin Riley yet. Give me like two months. I'll give you two months. But you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. You're way too yeah. low. Aram is a straight up
0: fraud. What the hell is he talking <laughs> well, like, about? He can't really call center, man. Was, I get who, it. Who told us about, who told us about Riley Green? I, I mean, mean, maybe not you, but me. I saw you him in the New York I Pen league <laughs> you No, know, that's why I'm not grouping you in, I'm grouping me in. Arm you, hi guys on Riley Green. Now I put him at eight. You guys put him at eleven and fourteen. What are we talking about here? He's as good as you guys are saying.
1: Yeah, he he is really solid. Here's <laughs> like the thing:
0: Riley he, Green is so much better than Jazz. Of course don't he don't is. Know. Yes, uh, Riley Green's a better
1: defender. I think mm, Riley Green. I don't a better know about that's hitter. where I push back. That's where you're younger. At. Defender, defense is where I push back. Here's the thing, though. As we move forward in this list, like number eight, I I looked at eight and nine very similarly, and I asked myself who I would rather have in 2024 because that's the game we're playing, right? The top guys for 2024. I'm taking number eight, but I'm incredibly high on number eight, and I'm just so so on Riley Green so far. Yeah, I'm not as high on number eight, but I still do like
0: him. Number eight on the top 10 center fielder's list, James Outman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Did you know that James Outman put up a 4.4 F4, hit 23 bombs, put up a 118 WRC+, and was a very good defender in center field? You might not have noticed because there's a lot of Dodgers. There's a lot of names. And then you're like, oh, James Outman's hitting eighth? Uh, Maybe this is the break. Nope. 23 bombs with a three fifty three on base percentage and 16 stolen bases. Now, the reason... I had James Altman a little bit lower is it's this roller coaster of a season with this guy at from, for one month he is going to look like an MVP candidate. And then the next month he is going to look like he should be on your bench. Yeah. That level scares me. Now, when we look at the entire season, the full body of work, we're looking at a better player than what I feel like I saw over the entire season, right? 4.4 F4. In terms of war, he was a top three center fielder in Major League Baseball last year. And he's young, right? Relatively, right? He's going to be 27. Yeah, but he enters his second full season of Major League Baseball. Exactly. I put him 11 because of that rollercoaster. I don't know why I put him at 11. I think he's better than Jazz. I think someone <laughs> misprinted me because I didn't, I there's no way I ranked Jazz before James Outman. I think
1: you put your numbers in the Google sheet.
0: Like, I don't you. think so.
1: I think someone hacked me because no way I think it. I don't
0: hey, think it. For everybody listening, I don't think it.
1: Here's what I'm going to say. I didn't down. I disagree with myself. Here's what I'm going to say to the James Altman haters. You ready? A lot of people are saying, and I've seen a lot of publications do this. I've seen a lot of people that I really like in this space do this. They've called James Outman a regression candidate. How's he going to regress? He had a 32% K rate last year. Like, do you expect him to strike out more? He strikes out all the time. And he was still a four and a half win player. And he's got more protection in his lineup now. He's not going to see fewer pitches. Like, I just, I don't see a world where this guy is put on a higher pedestal than what he was at points last year especially when you have to deal with Otani in the lineup every day and Freddie who doesn't miss games and Mookie who doesn't miss games and Will Smith and Teoscar Hernandez, who you just added to the fold, and Max Muncy. There are way too many guys that you circle on the scouting report before James Altman. And if he punches 30% of the time, that's an improvement. He's amazing. Let
0: me, let me speak up for those who think James Altman is going to remember. Because... I kind of think it not really. And I understand where you're coming from. Like, where is the regression coming from? I'll tell you where I think it might come. There were months, right, in May and June where he put up a 550 OPS. I expect those months to continue because he strikes out so much, right? He gets himself in a holes. He gets into these slow streaks of his, right? We don't have a ton of data to build off of but I watched a ton of Dodgers baseball. There was so many opportunities where James Outman would get blown away by three fastballs and it was just like, say good night." He had no chance up there. Now, there were other ABs, right? In April, where he put up a 966 OPS. In July, where he put up a 905 OPS. August, 890. What if all of those hot months aren't as hot? Then he comes back down and doesn't look like the same player offensively. He's still going to play good defense. That's why I'm saying from a war perspective, it's probably not. He's probably going to be a three and a half win player for a while until he figures out the strikeout stuff. But with so much in his game, I think that those hot months might come down a little bit. And that if he still has this slow streaks, we're not looking at a guy who put up a 790 OPS. Maybe we're looking at a 750 OPS. That's my
1: issue with James Alvin. Okay. I hear you. I don't understand you, but I can be receptive to it. What about what I said?
0: Do you think is maybe inaccurate, or you just straight up disagree with?
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't straight up disagree with anything. The couple months are really hard to palate. I just don't. Rookie year, right? You've got a shit. What was it? May and June were his two shit months. Yeah, I mean September seven seventy two OPS.
0: No, I mean he he had a good second half. He put what up what was his worst month? OPS. His
1: worst months were May and June. May and June. Okay, so the second and third full months of this guy's professional career as a twenty six year old. As a twenty six year old, right? We're not dealing with the twenty. 20- a no. raw 22 year old right no. there's like, a
0: reason that he only debuted when he was 26
1: like this guy's literally going to run out of chance like he was running out of chances he was going to pivot to insurance. i have no idea what he was going no, to pivot to but like he was going to do that <laughs> it's not like he was the guy on the forefront of the dodgers thoughts and future plans right you have to force your way into the conversation and in 2021 and 22 james outman forced his way into the dodger conversation in twenty twenty three, he gets his full shot. He's great over the first month over the first month. What does that buy you? Two months, apparently. Because he sucked in month two and three. If he doesn't perform in July, he's done. Like this story's done.
0: But that's but what we're risking back. here with the eighth best center fielder, right? That's why I ranked him eleven. That's the, the thing. The article says I ranked him you No, know, I ranked him ten. The article says eleven. He's better than Jimmy. <laughs>
1: Even if he, my, my thought is if he survives that depth and that, like, I have to go now, he's playing with house money. Yeah, that's why he's
0: very tough to rank because realistically, right? Let's say he improves on that year. We're looking at a five win player. We're looking and at a top five a center top fielder five. in the game. He's better than exactly. seven for sure. I mean, think about a player who is on any of these lists who could be top five or off the list and off his team. You're shaking your head. It was a big pause for a reason. Yeah. You can't.
1: There's not another. Number seven. Number seven is Jung-Hoo Lee of the San Francisco Giants. And he gets a bump. He was previously eight because Brandon Nimmo was at seven, but Nimmo pivoted to the corner outfield rankings after we learned that Harrison Pater was going to play center. So the rankings are typically lower on Lee. Than you would see for a number seven guy, but Jung Hoo Lee is number seven because we think this guy is going to play a really good center field, and the numbers in the KBO were insane. This guy has been an awesome KBO hitter for the last three, four, five years. Last year in the KBO, in just under 400 plate appearances, he hit just under 320. He had an OBP over 400, and he had a 139 WRC plus. Jung-Hoo Lee has a chance to enter the Juan Arise level of not punching out and not swinging and missing. And if that's the case, and he plays a borderline gold-glove defensive center field, we're looking at a top-flight elite leadoff hitter in Major League Baseball. And that guy is the seventh-best center fielder in Major League Baseball. I think the Quan comparisons are kind of on the
0: money, right? Like, if he is... Think about it. If he is Stephen Kwan playing gold glove letter level center field defense, a lot of people out there love Stephen Kwan already. Where would you rank a guy like that? Now, we're also projecting, right? He's never faced major league competition, to be fair, though. First spring training, AB got a single right up the middle. Nice. So that's on his docket. But, yeah, it's it's tough to know what we're going to get from a guy. And also, our rankings are all over the place. You and I both have him at nine. Arm does as well. Colby has him 11, Fink has him 13, and Leo has him 8, right? So we're all over the map. It's tough to know what we're going to get from this guy, right? He's probably not going to slash 318, 406, 455 in his first season. But if he can put up a 115 WRC+, plus, hit 290, hit 5 to 10 home runs, steal 10 bases in his first year, right? We saw what Haseong Kim did in his first year. Yeah. He was barely in the lineup, right? Yeah, and you see the upward trajectory there if he gets off on the right foot. And I think he can. The bat to ball is special like you said, right? And you can also look on justbaseball.com arm wrote up a great preview yeah. about Jung Hoo Lee. You can also watch it in YouTube form on our YouTube page arms breakdown of Jung Hoo Lee in more detail. Yep. But let's move on because again, we're speculating here. We're guessing. But I think it's a good guess with a guy with a contact rate that high, in zone contact rate that high, that are rivaling Luis Arise and Stephen Kwan. Number six, Cody Bellinger is back with the Chicago Cubs. Dude, raked last year. 307, 356, 525 slash, 26 bombs, 20 steals, 134 WRC plus. To give himself a 4.1 F4, he's always going to provide value defensively. Walker Bueller came on the show on Monday. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it, saying that Cody could win in a gold glove at four different positions. I think what he meant by that was if you put him in left field or right field, he'd be an all world corner outfielder and he can already be close to winning one in center field or at first base, probably less likely than most is the position that he's playing the most, but it also is the hardest position to play, but that's more speaking to his athleticism. Now the quality of contact is what we've talked about a ton, and we don't have to get into that because we already talked about it when he signed the deal and our thoughts on Cody Bellinger moving forward three years, 80 million, but we haven't talked with you yet about the deal, right? Chicago guy. How did it feel to have Cody Bellinger back? And did you think the one year deal with options totaling 80
1: million was the right play for both sides. At that money, that was the perfect contract. Because what that says is to the fan base, we're really to com we're really committed to winning right now. Right. We're trying to win the division this year. We're trying to make noise in the postseason this year. And we think the best opportunity to do that is with Cody Bellinger in the lineup every day. What that says moving forward is we still believe we have our franchise cornerstone in center field and Pete Crowe Armstrong. If they signed him into a six-year deal for $180 million or $160 million, and Scott Boris is screwing it right now for his client. Like I typically I stay out of that and I don't want to assume anything when it comes to contract structure. But the more this goes on, the more I think Scott Boris is doing a complete disservice to these four clients. I think that Bellinger got the best that was available for him in the in the situation that he wanted to be back in the most. And the Cubs didn't hurt anybody's feelings that they were worried about hurting. And I think PCA was a the guy they were worried about hurting because you see how good he can be. They also have an interesting decision to make. I think by the end of the year, we're talking about Cody Bellinger as a first baseman. And I think PCA is going to be playing center field. I think is going to be playing first. Where's the glaring hole for the Cubs right now? It's third base. Third? It's third yeah. base? Yeah. Is it Christopher Morel? Is it Nick Magical? Morel is going to DH. Is it Morel or Magical?
0: Long. How much longer are we going with Magical?
1: You, you, no more. Do you want no your more. third base to hit four home runs? So here's what I want to happen. I want Michael Bush to play third base. I think Bellinger plays first. And if PCA is a good spring, I think PCA is in center. And then rounding out the outfield, Happ and Seah. Yeah. It's a pretty good team. Great. Or it's a pretty team. good offense. Steel, you... Imanaga,
0: Tyon. Like,
1: damn. Tyon. <laughs> Tyon, really? No, sure. we can
0: include him. We had Tyon. I will not? say,
1: I will say, I am a little nervous because it was a one year thing for Bellinger. Is he fully back? I don't know.
0: One thing that I do want to talk about, though, with Bellinger, right? We're talking about the quality of contact concerns. Could we give him some credit for this? 15.6% strikeout rate, lowest of his career. He was lower than his MVP year, never punching out. And I did see a change of approach just watching Cody Bellinger. I remember there was this series against the Blue Jays where he was going off, but it wasn't just he was hitting middle fastballs or he was hitting, you know, hanging breaking balls. These were balls at the dirt. These were balls at the roof, right? And just to avoid striking out. And he was making decent contact with these in order to get base hits. Now, will some of them not land? Sure. But is he going to make enough contact for his speed to start being a factor here? I think so. Right? So it's like, yes, he's making less quality of contact, but he's also making more contact. And it's not like he's some twig. Right. The EVs are still solid. Oh, and and so he's, if he's still not at striking out. Exactly. If he's not striking out at all, maybe the power goes down a little bit, but I think he, we can kind of pencil him in right now for 290 to 300. Maybe I'll be wrong about that, but
1: I, I feel okay saying it. I was never expecting Cody Bellinger to flirt with 300 again, and he hit 307 exactly. last year. Don't you think that's the... the
0: part that won't really change? It's more the like maybe the doubles or the home runs that maybe, maybe take a step
1: down dude, a little bit. I don't even think the homers change that much because, like, he's, he's playing and piss on some balls and he's playing in a place that it's like pretty easy to get a ball up at the jet stream and watch go. Yeah, but you mentioned all these red starting pitchers. Maybe he's facing some tougher competition. Oh,
0: maybe. Maybe. I forgot about the red starting rotation. Good That's point. what ex-WOBA deals with, right? Your level
1: of competition from the Reds. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, let's jump into the top five here. But before that, one more quick break. Number five is Money Mike. Michael Harris, the second of the Atlanta Braves, and we have entered a new echelon in star power. Michael Harris is going to be 23 years old for the entirety of this coming season. Michael Harris got off to a terrible start to the year, brutal start to the year. And then he was one of the best offensive center fielders in baseball the back half of the season. He finished the year hitting 293 with slug just under 480 he had 18 homers he swiped 20 bags he had a 115 wrc plus and he is maybe the best defensive center fielder in all of baseball so it all results in a four win player even after a terrible start if this guy doesn't look like he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat for two months to open the year i mean we're talking about this guy as a five and a half win players and, and you know maybe better than Mike Trout on this list, like as Trout was unavailable, Michael Harris, it feels like we just saw the sophomore slump from him. And if that's the case, I'm so excited for this cat's career. I know if Austin Riley's my favorite player, this might turn into a Braves show, which is crazy for everybody listening because everybody thinks we hate the Atlanta Braves. I don't know know. know why. I love watching them play. If Austin Riley's my favorite player, I think, Michael Harris is Arm's favorite player. And, man, like, he is must-watch at all times. And you were actually one of the three high guys. I had him at five. Arm had him at five. Fink had him at six. But then you, Leo, and Kobe had him at four. You're calling Arm's favorite player my
0: player. Why is he not my favorite player? I'm Sorry. not high guy. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. No, but think about it. Would you rather have Michael Harris in 2024 or Luis Robert? I would rather have Michael Harris. And the reason, right, Luis Robert is coming off this amazing season. But we know what Luis Robert is, right? Do we not know what he is? When he's on the field, he's supremely talented. So now it's like, well, he did play a full season. He's going to do it again. Like, yeah, we can assume that. And the counting numbers might be a little goutier. But on a day-in, day-out basis, I'd rather have Michael Harris. He's the better defender. He makes more contact than Luis Robert does. I just think he's a better overall baseball player, right? 18 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And that's coming in a season where to your point, he was terrible in the first half. In the second half, 325, 356, 522 slash line to give him an 878 OPS. And in his first year as a 21-year-old, almost hit 300 and put up an 853 OPS. So if he doesn't have a bad two months, we're looking at, again, another guy putting up an 850 OPS while being
1: one of the best defenders in center field. I mean, this guy has to be number four. He's t-
0: going to be 23 years old.
1: So do me a favor. Give me the pitch on number four, and then I want to compare these two as the exercise with both of them. Let's do it. Number four,
0: Luis Robert Jr. of the Chicago White Sox. Hit 264, 315, 542. Power is the name of the game for Luis Robert, but he also has speed 38 bombs, 20 stolen bases, a 128 WRC plus, and was one of only a few center fielders to put up a five win season. And he was great defensively by the metrics, putting up 13
1: outs above average and six defensive runs saved. So, what about those numbers? makes you think that Michael Harris is better? The thing is, it's not about last year's numbers for Luis Robert. That's the point, right? It's about availability. Okay.
0: It's about availability. And like, I'm never doubting the talent that is Luis Robert. I think Luis Robert is more talented than Michael Harris. Let's get that straight out of the way. I think Luis Robert from a
1: power and a speed, and he's also a great defender. He's an elite defender. That's the thing that goes... I don't, I don't even think it flies under the radar. It's just we've, we've already stamped Michael Harris as an elite defensive center fielder. And Luis Robert, we look at this slugger that had 38 homers last year. We forget just how elite a defensive center fielder he is. 100%. And I think you
0: saw the numbers from last year. You've seen Michael Harris. You've seen those numbers as well. Do you think that Michael Harris and Luis Robert are not at least at the same tier of defensive acumen in center field? I think they're in the same tier. So I think if we are. can both agree on that, and we can also agree that Michael Harris has been much more available, right? Because now do I put Luis Robert over when he played 145 games, when in the last three years, he hasn't reached hundred, right? 98 games in 2022, 68 in 2021. And he played the full shortened season, yeah. but he also, when he played 98 games in 2022, put up a 745 OPS. Like, Michael Harris entered the league as a 21-year-old, put up an 855 OPS, then as a 22-year-old, struggled in two months, which rate, or lowered his overall averages, yeah. but then still finished with an 800 OPS. Like, I just... He's too good and well-rounded and available for me to now say, all right, Luis Robert had that season where we all expected because he has the talent, now he's above him. I can't do it.
1: So... We just agreed that they are in the same conversation defensively, right? Yes. Those two are in the same class defensively. Michael Harris is never going to give me 38 homers. <laughs> like That's the big separator for me. Luis Robert had 38 homers. If it was 30, I'm receptive to this conversation. But it wasn't 30. It was 38. Right. And he puts it is- on a monster show. And here's the thing, man. Like... Luis Roberts built like Julio Jones at his prime. <laughs> like he's built like Falcons Julio. He's built like a freak. I'll take the alien over the guy that is a really, really great center fielder.
0: Name me something offensively that Luis Robert does better than Michael Harris besides home runs.
1: I mean overall power. I think power is a yeah, huge. Power. Part. He has more power. Yeah. That's it. That's it, right? They because both they both chased, the getting on base but like more what else offensively. I have the guy getting on base Look at walk rate. Look at walk rate.
0: He put up a 315 OBP, Jack. Michael Harris put up a 353 OBP.
1: Yeah, but Michael Harris was also 20 points higher in the batting average department. What's Michael Harris's walk rate? I think he's a better all-around hitter. What's his walk rate? Michael
0: Harris's walk rate, I just have Luis Roberts here in front of me, which is 5%. Yes. What's Michael Harris? Let me pull it up for you. What I can also say is that Michael Harris has... 10% lower strikeout rate, right? So it strikes out far fewer times than Luis Robert does. And they both have the same walk rate. My Claire is 4.6%. Yeah.
1: That's a thing. Like, I don't, I don't view it as a massive difference in the OVP department when they're walking the same, like that, that's a batting batting average thing.
0: But do you understand what we're doing? We're comparing a 22-year-old to a 26-year-old, and the 26-year-old just had his best year where the 22-year-old has been doing it since he was 21. Now he's 23. Like, what do we think he's going to do now, right? I think That's what I'm saying. Like, if we're looking at an 840 OPS year-over-year for Michael Harris, he already put up an 850 as a 21-year-old. If he could do that year-over-year with 2020 and great defense and playing every day, I'd rather have that guy on my team than the guy who can hit some more home runs... When he's on the
1: field, be more talented, but less available. But Luis Robert gave me an 860 OPS. He gave me a very similar number of stolen bases and a high efficiency. He was 20 for 24. He gave me 38 pumps, which I'm going to end. Okay, okay. But you're, you're acting like 26 is 30 for the case of the argument. 26 years old and 30 years old are so different. And here's the thing where we're disagreeing right now and we just haven't said it yet is i think this guy's going to play a whole year again you are yeah. baking in that you don't think he's going to play a whole year again if this can't. guy How plays a whole year and i get that yeah i'm just saying i'm not going to assume that he's going to get hurt and if he plays a whole year again this guy's a 40 homer threat the other guy isn't and the guy that's a 40 homer threat put up noticeably better Noticeably better advanced metrics defensively than the other one did. I think they are in the same class defensively, but the numbers are the numbers and the numbers are far better for Luis Robert than they were for Michael Harris. So I lean on the defensive excellence and the threat for 40 homers. That's where I stand. And I lean on,
0: I think the defensive numbers, while they were better for Luis Robert, I still view them as similar defenders. And now you could disagree with me, but at the same time, Michael Harris put up better defensive numbers in his first year. So I still view them as same levels of defender in terms of talent. And then on offense, I agree with you. Luis Robert is more talented. The thing is, I don't know if he's going to be on the field every day, right? And Michael Harris, now to it's not like michael harris is a playing 162 every day but in his first two seasons he played over 110 games. No. luis robert has done that once and they have four years of difference. that's my point is when i go to the ballpark every day and i have michael harris on my team versus luis robert on my team i think i have a better chance to win over 162 with michael harris in 2024.
1: and i disagree and we can leave it at that and we can move on. perfect. All right. Your odds, though. <laughs> this 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 hurts. It this really hurts. And like we've totally entered a new threshold here. We just talked about how elite Michael Harris and Luis Robert are, but like these guys are a different beast. And it sucks that one of them had to be three. And it sucked that this guy in particular had to be number three. But number three is Mike Trout of the LA Angels. And that pains us to say, but he's going to be 32 years old. He was limited to just over 350 plate appearances last year. And frankly, he wasn't that good. He was a three-win player, obviously. like wasn't that good, relatively speaking. He still put up a 134 WRC+, but his 860 OPS was jump change based on what he's done previously in his career. This guy's 858 OPS season plummeted his career OPS under 1,000. He's down to a 994 career OPS, which is one of the best marks in baseball history. This guy's career slash line right now is 301, 412, 582. That's a 994 OPS. You average out as 162 game average. The stolen bases are gone entirely, but they do bake into his 162 game average. This guy's walking more than 100 times. 34 doubles, 40 homers, 102 driven in, 22 backs. He is the best player of this generation, but we've seen... Do you want to call it the aging process or chronically unavailable?
0: No, I think the aging process is a better way to describe him because, right, he comes up in 2011, you know, cup of coffee, 2012, 139, 2013, 157, 2014, 157, 2015, 159, 2016, 159. In 2017, he's still playing over 100 games, but ever since 2021, 36 games, 119 games, 82. And we know about the back issue. So I think that's the aging process. I think it is. And it sucks because the guy had 40 jacks, (laughs) 2022 in 119
1: games. Nobody (laughs) does that. You're not supposed to do that. I mean... Still Mike Trout. I've got, yeah, like, yeah I've got nothing to this... add. He's Mike Trout. It's just like the, the other two guys might be starting their Hall of Fame career right now. I agree. And it's like, it's so
0: funny. He's still graded out as like a positive defender. Like Yeah, and
1: him. we're talking about moving him to right. It's like, I it's know. not it... because of skill. It's because we want him to play 150. Like
0: this season sucked for him. 263, 367, 490 with
1: a 134 plus. Yeah. That sucked, sucked for Mike Trout. He's got multiple 10-win seasons. I think Babe Ruth Ruth might be the only guy with multiple 10-win seasons. They, there's got to be another guy. Mantle definitely does. Does Mickey Mantle have multiple 10-win seasons? Got to. I'd assume like, Bonds got bruising. close.
0: He was boozing and getting Felicio in the stands. and That's a thing, win man. seasons Number two, Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. Freak of nature. 275, 333, 485, slash line. Five win season, 32 bombs, 37 stolen bases, 12 outs above average in center field because the guy can go and get it. Did you see where one person on our panel ranked him? Yes. Leo Morgenstern ranked him number one. We're going to get to number one. You can't rank him number one. But... They both play in the same league, and I would not be surprised at all if our number two guy, Julio Rodriguez, won the MVP. Spoiler alert: He might be my MVP pick for 2024. And the reason behind it is, I can guarantee great defense in center field. I can guarantee the speed. I can guarantee the power. It's just how is his plate discipline looking that day? Is he trying to be too aggressive? Is he not? Because when Julio is in his zones, this guy has the opportunity to hit 300 with 35 bombs and 40 stolen bases, get on base at a good clip. Julio Rodriguez is this very similar age to Michael Harris. I mean, he is a freak. And what always just blows my mind, Jack, is the fact that he was not considered to be a one good defender in the minor leagues too fast. Right. And now he's arguably the fastest and the best defender. I mean, what a transformation for this guy. I mean, Seattle really does have their next Ken Griffey Jr. Now, is he going to be as good as Ken Griffey? Probably not. Because few players in MLB history are. But if we're looking at cornerstones of an organization, Ken Griffey was that guy. Julio Rodriguez is now that guy.
1: So... There were 87 games that J-Rod played before the All-Star break. And there were 68 games that J-Rod played after the All-Star break. And we were talking about Julio before the break saying like, are we sure this guy's an All-Star? He was named an alternate at the very last moment, I think. Like he kind of backdoored his way into the All-Star game in, in his home city. Put on a show in the Derby, loved that. But after that long week... This guy in 87 games before the All-Star break hit under 250, hit 249 with a 721 OPS. In 68 games after the All-Star break, J-Rod hit 308 with a 941 OPS. 19 of his 32 homers came in the 68 games after the All-Star break. He swiped 15 bags in 20 attempts. He is next level, man. Like, He needed that second half so badly because if he didn't get it and he just kind of held serve and like, hey, maybe he upgraded and had like an 820 OPS after the All-Star break. We're talking about this guy off a sophomore slump and there's no way we're putting him in the same breath as Trout. Like we're probably talking about this guy similarly to how we talked about Luis Robert and Michael Harris. But he elevated himself from tier two to tier one. And that's still a great player, might I add. He elevated himself from tier two to tier one because of what he did after the break last year and this guy's ability to do that and from what i've heard from him this february he seems pissed off seems like he's ready to go man i wouldn't be shocked if he took home his first mvp this year
0: 23 years old he's amazing he's He's
1: amazing. amazing number one number one the best center fielder in baseball is aaron judge of the new york Yankees. It's Aaron Judge. He broke Roger Maris' home run record in the American League in 2022. He was hurt for a good bit in 2023. Like, God damn it, you outfield wall in Los Angeles. He still had 37 homers and a 174 WRC plus and a five and a half win season. He's flawless. He was the best right fielder in baseball. And then he moved to center. So we gotta figure out somewhere to put him. He's the Mookie Betts of the outfield. (laughs) Like he's number one wherever. And I guess betts went from two to one, right? Moving from right moving from a corner outfield spot to second base. Like Acuna was gonna be one over Mookie, I think. But Judge is one wherever he is, man. I'm gonna tell you something, and then I
0: wanna provide context to it after. Aaron judge is the best Yankee since 2005 to 2007. Alex Rodriguez and 2005 to 2007. Alex Rodriguez won multiple MVPs. I'm pretty sure. Let me just fact check that. Yep. MVP in 2003 with Texas MVP 2005 with the Yankees and MVP in 2007 with the Yankees, the Yankees have had clearly great players. Derek Jeter, is a more accomplished baseball player than Alex Rodriguez is or Aaron judges. I'm talking about with my own eyes, watching Yankee games, Aaron judge is the best. You talked about breaking Roger Maris's record, but even last season when he goes down with the toe injury, right? But so that's why he didn't play a full season. And that's why people give Aaron judge shit, right? Because it's hard to guarantee health. But at the same time, I think that the health issue for judge, is completely overblown. If you take out 2020, he's played 100 games in every season. Outside of 2016 when he's a rookie, right? These guys come up. But first full season until now, he's played 100 games in every season. And over the last few seasons, he has taken power to the nth degree. He is the number one power hitter in Major League Baseball. We talk about X-Wobo right? We talk about your quality of contact. There's a consistent leader. Aaron Judge, year over year over year. He hit 37 bombs in 106 games last year, right? Remember when we were marveling over the fact that Trout hit 40 in 119?
1: Yeah.
0: We're not really marveling over that for Judge because he's seven 270 pounds, behemoth. But the fact that Aaron Judge, and the reason I say he's the best, not the most accomplished Yankee, but the best, the fact that he can play such great defensive right field, most underrated part of Aaron Judge's game, is that he is one of the best defensive right fielders in baseball, and he can slide over to center because he's so damn athletic, right? It's not showing up in the stolen base departments with his speed. But when I watch him, he's still a good base runner. He's a great defender, and he's arguably the best hitter in the sport. When you are making a ranking of players, Shohei Otani is one, and I think Aaron Judge is two. Oh, I've got Acuna on line one. It's Fine, but Acuna is a really, really bad defender, right? Yeah, because he We're doesn't talking give about a all shit. around games. Right. So Ronald Acuna Jr. went forty seventy right in twenty twenty three. Yeah, Aaron Judge broke Roger Maris's record with sixty two home runs in twenty twenty two, and may I remind you that Aaron Judge in twenty twenty two had a higher F WAR than Ronald Acuna Jr. So and because Ronald Acuna off. Jr. did it last year. He is now better. When in that year of 2023, Judge
1: had a 1,000 OPS with 37 home runs. So I dove a little bit deeper into the A-Rod comp. Three-year stretch for Arod rod 05 to 07. Slash 309, 412, 593. That's a 10.05 OPS. For 160, let's do season average, right? He was playing 158 games. 46 homers, 136 driven in. Aaron Judge had a higher OPS. Slug puts him over the top. He's slugged 615 from the start of 2021. Since the start of the 2021 season, Aaron Judge slashing 291, 402, 615. 1017 OPS. Averaging 137 games, so 20 fewer games a year. Yet, while A-Rod was putting up 46 and 136, Judge is putting up 46 and 101. So he's got the same average homers per year. That A. Rod had the big difference is A. Rod was swiping bags and he was playing short. Judge has played right and center. Regardless, we're talking about the Yankee captain, the captain, the second best player in Major League Baseball, third best. (laughs) I
0: just, I would do Peter's top 100.
1: I'm ready for Peter's top 100.
0: You're ready for my top 100, (laughs) right? Because let's let's do a quick pull up, pull up Acuna's pull up his Fangraphs.
1: Those fan graphs. Acuna. The last two seasons in terms of war. I mean, he was coming off that ACL tear and he was just not not good in 2022. I want to be fair with that. Do you know, you know what F war judge put up in 2022? He had an 11 win season. Did he not? 11.6. Yeah.
0: Acuna put up last year. 8.3. I mean, what are we talking about here? (laughs) Three (laughs)
1: wins better. He was. Ron Acuna we're ta- Jr. We're talking about a 40 70 season. That's <laughs> what we're talking about here. You can't say, What are we talking about here? and then like, not expect a rebuttal. Judge
0: put up a 62 16 season. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> I forgot about the 60 15 clip.
0: Judge put up a 209 WRC plus compared to Acuna at 170. How many stolen bases? There are levels to this shit, Braves fans. Judge is number one. Oh, uh, Tati's one.
1: Judge is number two. 1961 Roger Maris, a 162 WRC+. Plus.
0: Judgey shit saw that game. No
1: bags. No, no bags. bags.
0: <laughs> no speed. Judge stole 16 bases. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when you are, oh, what's his quality of contact? Let's look it up. Judge is one. <laughs> Homer, judge is one. You like homers, right? You like Luis Robert? Judge hit 62 of them in 2022. And then it's 39. For 37, whatever the fuck, in 2023 at 100 games. This is the premier. This is the man. This is the best player in baseball if Otani didn't pitch. (laughs) Right, but he does. And Otani is fast. We could not forget that. You knew that, right? Yes. Just plug the merch, bro. All right. Go, everybody listening, if you're a Braves fan, I just shouted out Michael Harris. So don't say now I'm a hater. You can't pick and choose. You can pick and choose the merch, though, in the episode description. Let's, let's call it a truce, and let's both wear some Just Baseball merch. You know I'm wearing mine. No, I hate the company. I've got the mic flag. You can't buy the mic flag. That's true. I can't buy the mic flag. Go get yours Dude, in that the that hat looks like shit.
1: Get a better looking hat than I know. It, it, yours
0: won't <laughs> look like this. The bite has been absolutely destroyed. I've worn it literally everywhere this is what it'll look like after three years of use if you're chucking it everywhere yeah it's not gonna end up being a good looking hat <laughs> but don't be like me and don't be like jack and not getting it try yours in the episode description rate and review five stars spotify apple podcast please please come on we'd really really appreciate it helps the show and I, I sound sarcastic i'm not it genuinely helps our show if you enjoy the episode Please, it takes three seconds. Go on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Just put in a five-star review. And if you would be so kind, leave a written one as well. You know what to do on YouTube. The big red subscribe button, the like button, the comment button, the share button, the turn notifications on button. There's so many buttons, but it only takes about five seconds to click each one, maybe less. Do it. Appreciate you all listening. Big episode Friday. I'm not going to leak the guy who we got on the interview but he's a pitcher and he's really good. American League and American League Central. All right. We'll see you on Friday. And with that, thank you.